Good day, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Usapang Usbong. If you've been with us for a while, you probably know that for Season 3, we've been tackling the topic of mental health and helping everyone create a healthy understanding of the community of people with special needs. Today, join us as we talk about simple ways to include others in your daily lives. My name is Andre Santos, and I'm very excited to be hosting this episode for you all. Before we start, once again, we would like to share with you our upcoming fundraiser. For the month of November, we will be hosting an art auction featuring the works of Filipino artists with exceptionalities. A portion of the sales will be for the artist, and another will be donated to the Chosen Children Village Foundation, Incorporated. The village is a haven, a home for life, for abandoned children who are physically and mentally challenged. Their goal is to help these kids ultimately become independent and self-reliant despite their disabilities and be able to attain a more meaningful, productive, and satisfying way of life. If you would like to participate, feel free to check out our social media platforms for more information. We are also accepting monetary donations for our beneficiary as well. And now, to join us today to share his insights on simple ways to further inclusion, we are very happy to be joined by Mr. Erickson Perez. Hi, Erickson. How are you today? Hi, Andre. I'm, I'm very well. Thank you. Thank you, Usbong. Yeah. <laughs> and if you guys don't know, we're recording this on a Sunday, um, usually a family day, but we're very thankful that Erickson could join us today. So, Erickson, can you tell us a little about yourself or your background on um, this field um, for kids with special needs? Sure. Uh, again, my name is Erickson Perez. I'm the founder and headmaster of One World School, which is located in Makati, in um, Metro Manila. I have been in the field of education for over 24 years. A majority of that have been spent with kids with special needs. Um, I have experienced uh, teaching in public and private schools in the United States, in Kenya, and also in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. So when you were studying education, did you know since college or since you were taking up your education that you wanted to teach kids with special needs? Or did you discover that later on? Yeah, I, 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 when I was studying um, uh, in undergraduate, I didn't know that I wanted yeah. to teach kids with special needs. My, my plan was to teach science in the high school level. Mm. And that's what I did for a number of years, teaching biology and interlevel physics. Uh, but after my time in, in Kenya, I uh, wanted to develop my skills uh, as a teacher. And mm-hmm. I thought, you know, maybe I should learn how to teach kids with different needs. And that's how I got into special education. So since you've had experience teaching in the U.S., Kenya, and the Philippines, do you see a big difference or a big disparity between how they treat kids with special needs? Uh, yes, there, there, there are disparities. Um, part of the disparities um, are due to the, the, the time periods that I was teaching in those uh, countries. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, when I was teaching in, in the U.S., uh, the, the methods and uh, um, facilities and interventions for kids with special needs um, seem more advanced and more accessible yeah. to more people. And when I was working in Kenya, that was in the late 90s, you know, they didn't recognize kids with special needs. Right. Uh, it wasn't something that they had uh, programs for in, in, in the high school or the elementary schools. And in the Philippines, 
Uh, so I've been living here for 14 years, and I would say over time, uh, the number of programs and interventions, and also the acceptance for kids with special needs, has really grown um, mm-hmm. in Metro Manila. Um, so before we get into that topic, you brought up how the rate of kids with special needs being accepted into this school, these schools is growing. So what can you say about the stigma surrounding the community of people with special needs right now? Okay, that, that's a very good question. Andre, when you say stigma, what, what are you referring to? You know, you're a college student. Yeah. Uh, in yep. your experience, what, uh, what does stigma involve with kids with special needs? So um, should I talk about how I see the term stigma? Sure. Yeah. When I see stigma, it's more like the what I think of when I hear the word stigma is like an initial thought or initial concept or a, a dominant concept that revolves around these certain terms. So when I hear the stigma of community people with special needs, I think like these disabilities and how they're not functioning in a certain level which people would consider to be normal if, if I'm using the right term. So that's how I see that stigma. So correct me if I'm wrong in any way. Okay. I think that that's, that stigma that you're, you've experienced or you're um, observed really leads yeah. to um, a couple of things. And that's uh, one is the limitations that are placed on individuals with special needs and also the misunderstandings and assumptions about their abilities or capacity mm-hmm. to do um, what other people can do. And I think that yeah. that's where the, the danger of the, of the stigma um, leads to. And um, I wanted to discuss a little bit about the difference between um, the visible and invisible disabilities. Yep. Okay. Have you come across those those terms yet in your experience? Um, I do have an idea. I'm I'm thinking when you say visible. Um, illnesses, more in illnesses maybe, while physical illnesses, while the invisible probably, I would think of mental health issues or something more in the psychological. Okay. Yeah, okay. that's what I would think of at first. Thanks, Andre. But when we refer to uh, visible and invisible disabilities, we're really talking about uh, the ones that um, are observable and, and obvious, right? So with the yeah. physical disabilities, those are the ones that people can, can, can pick up on really quickly just because of the, the person's um, physical characteristics. Um, and the yep. ones are the ones you really can't tell. Um, and the, the way people treat uh, individuals with visible and, and invisible disabilities um, really has an impact on the kinds of access those individuals have to different opportunities. Yep. Yeah. So, for example, for, for um, individuals with visible disabilities, I, I believe in general the public are quite accommodating because they know they know that they, they have to get um, some accommodations because there are uh, visual or um, obvious uh, disabilities. Right? But for the danger in that is that those individuals with the visible disabilities. Uh, the others might already assume what they cannot do. Mm-hmm. So because of that assumption, uh, that, that person now has limited access to what they need or what they can do. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. 
And then alternatively, for those with uh, uh, invisible disabilities, um, the, the, the person that they're interacting with would not understand. Um, so that would lead to um, assumptions about uh, also what they can and cannot do. So all of this leads to, mm -hmm. to um, equitable access to opportunities. What would you say are the most common visible disabilities or something um, like some, someone like me would see more often than not? Well, I think the ones that, that uh, most people would be familiar with are um, blindness um, with, with hearing impairments. Mm -hmm. So those kinds, the ones that um, you, would, you, you would have experience with and, and you would not um, have to ask if that person has a disability. Right. Yeah. So it's, if, if I'm correct, it's more of like we give an understanding to these with those with visible disabilities and those with invisible, it requires a certain deeper understanding because I feel like it requires more sim empathy and sympathy in a way because you truly want to understand what that person's going through without having to see it. So it requires of us having a deeper search within these people. So the invisible disability, for the invisible disabilities, how do, we, how do we properly engage with these people more? Okay, um, so you mentioned a couple of uh, words earlier. You said uh, empathy and sympathy. Um, yeah. I, I don't think anybody with a disability would want uh, sympathy. Uh, what we mm -hmm. want is the, the empathy, the, under, the understanding. Right. So uh, in all of our interactions with other people, uh, the way we um, develop understanding is by having conversations. I think mm -hmm. that's a good place to start. I, I think most people um, really appreciate being asked rather than having somebody assume. Right. Uh, because the person who's being asked um, no matter who it is, can always say, you know, that's a personal question. I, I don't want to answer that. Or they might say, oh, finally, somebody's asking. So let me now um, have this opportunity to engage in a, a conversation with somebody. Right. Uh, have we had those kinds of conversations, Andre? Kinds of conversations? Yeah, with, with, with somebody that you, you have not met yet. Or sorry, somebody you... Um, you're curious about maybe you don't know like you want to know this person but you don't want to yeah. make assumptions but then you, you take a risk yeah right and you ask questions yeah there is that risk in asking the right question you're always like should i ask this should should i not but it's all do you would you say that it's always better than assuming i think it's better than assuming yeah yeah because if you assume then you again the, the danger with assuming or forming assumptions is that you already have put that person in a box. Mm -hmm. And that That's box right. limits that, that person. And also it limits your ability to engage with that person because there's that yeah. serves as a barrier. When I was thinking, when, I, when you asked me, I was thinking of my experience, personal experiences. I'm always thinking when I'm going to ask these questions, how do I not be offensive, but at the same time show that I want to know like, I care. Like, it's like there's always this borderline between pushing someone to open up to you, but at the same time, you don't want to force anyone. So 
that's always been a personal challenge of mine of setting that setting that line. Yeah. Well, you know, Andrew, that's that's um, I think that's true for all kinds of interactions, right? Um, yeah. You definitely don't want to ask those kinds of questions that you think are too personal at the at the goal of you know the beginning of your interaction with that person. Yeah. So I think it's normal to just start with a small talk, right? Get to know the person, right? Listen to feel comfortable with you, and then when you feel like there's mutual trust. And then you can start asking questions such such as the ones that you have difficulty with. And you know, some some people um, some people with this uh, um, different kinds of um, special needs or disabilities might not be able to answer. And sometimes, mm-hmm. especially for younger kids, they are with a teacher or with um, a parent. You know, yep. I believe there are a lot of parents who who don't want people around them making assumptions. Okay. And then maybe they also don't want to be asked. Okay. So the, the, I think that what we can do is just, you know, treat everybody uh, as if as how you want to be treated. Right. Right. So I'm looking at that at a like micro level lens. So it's more in deep, intimate conversations, doing, giving the time and the understanding to actually know these people what do you think is lacking on a macro scale, on a bigger, on the scale of the community? What is lacking, or well, I think the the education and awareness. I think yeah. that is lacking. Of course, there are groups of people who are uh, highly educated in this area, and there are people who advocate for um, themselves and also for others with with special needs. Um, I don't think. Um, the majority of the population have that understanding or the advocacy. Uh, so my, my philosophy is that we do the advocacy one by one. Okay, it's uh, mm-hmm. better to, to show people or to help people understand um, individually. You know, um, there was a time at school where uh, parents asked me to make a public announcement, you know, through radio or TV about special yeah. needs. And I said, okay, well, that, that could be okay. That would be like a two-minute um, broadcast. People would hear it, but then that would be the end of it. So I thought the, be- the better way to do it is to, to um, do it person by person. So at, at school, yeah. we actually have um, an internship and, and employment program where we, uh, as, we partner with companies in Metro Manila. And then we, we have our interns work at those companies. And these interns have different kinds of special needs, including autism, and intellectual disabilities. And what's happening is that those individuals with special needs are working in those companies. Uh, of course, they're with, uh, initially with a job coach, and then we provide training for the company, the, the people who work directly with that individual. And what happens over time is that the company, the, the HR, the staff who work directly with that individual, over time, they, they develop this understanding of, of individuals with special needs. And the key there is the individual because they have understanding of that one person. Right. And the yeah. great thing is they tell me that they go home and they tell their families that they have this individual with special needs in their company and they're amazed at what they can do. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's a better way to, to educate and to advocate because it's real. You know, they, they work with somebody. Yeah. Um, they see over time that, wow, this person really has a lot of, uh, skills and, and abilities, and and they're you know they're surprised. Um, 
but then they're they're telling their friends and their, their families. So it's they, they have a name to it. They have a name to it for that person. Okay, they can show real examples of what that person can do, and then yeah. that person is is advocating for for us. So I think that's one of the uh, really effective ways to to do this. Right, and when you were mentioning those special skills that these um these kids can actually do actually going off script a bit here but i was actually reminded of some movies where they showed guys like rain man if you've watched rain man and other movies with that really bring out the abilities of those with special needs what do you think how do you think media or movies or whatever social media is um, portraying this community? Do you think it's an accurate, do you think they're doing it accurately or, or are they romanticizing it in any way? What, what's your take on that? I think it's hit or miss. You know, there are some that do it really well. Yeah. What they portray are realistic. Of course, there are those who do it uh, in romantic, romanticized. And of course, that's you know, yeah. Hollywood or um, yeah. you know, one, and you can't take that away from them. But what's dangerous is when um, they portray uh, individuals in stereotypical ways. Um, mm-hmm. The danger in that is that uh, there are millions of people watching these programs, and they are, you know, they, they could uh, misconstrue that and then take it to uh, their friends. And when the next time they interact with anybody with any kind of special need, they might assume that that's how they are, which isn't fair because the, the media really have. Um, a huge responsibility to to do a portrayal mm-hmm. that's um, realistic and, and positive, and that would actually be helpful for us to to learn and to understand. Yeah, so it's really more about educating the right way. Yes, I believe the media have the responsibility to to do research before they mm-hmm. portray somebody with special needs. And then, in, including in that research, was just conversion in that in the person's life who has a, that special need before they make any kind of stereotype. Right, right. So, knowing talking about what we've learned, now let's get into the question: What are the things that we need to unlearn as a society? Because I've experienced my own experience. I've heard. Most commonly, I think the biggest mistakes people make is the using of certain words such as retarded, midget, mongoloid, especially here in the Philippines, here that mongoloid all the time. It is what it is, but at the same time, these are things we need to unlearn. So how, what, what are the other things that, whether it's the words or ideas, what are the most important things we need to unlearn? I, I agree that the, the words have to be unlearned and not used because words can be hurtful if they're not used uh, properly, right? Um, But beyond that, I I think what needs to be unlearned is uh, our idea of what it means to be excellent or to be successful. So Andre, you're you're in college, you know, what what does it mean for you to be successful or to to excel in something? Let's start with that. I would say being able to give my best and bring out the best results. I wouldn't see, see that as success. Okay, so that's the kind of definition of success and excellence that we need. You know, bring yeah. the best and, and achieving what you want to achieve. Because um, for many people, I believe the idea of success and excellence have to do with grades and, and jobs and money. And, and, and we really have to unlearn uh, what, what um, 
our ideas of success and excellence are because for different people, uh, especially those with different kinds of special needs, uh, ex excellence and success um, should be measured. Well, it, it can be measured in different ways. Yeah. And then for that person, if, if they have set the goal and they achieve it, that, that's an example of success already. Um, so I think that's one important thing that we have to unlearn and, and reteach to our children. So um, that's right. Like success, that's true. Like when I think of it, success is always seen as how I see it. This level of excellence and this level, this level that it's an e like an equal playing field. But sometimes we forget that each of us have our own definition of success, and each of us see success in a different point of view. Success to others is reaching monetary goals. Success to others is being happy. So even those with special needs, I really guess, I, I really do know that they have their own idea of success. And, and, and this should apply yeah. not just to uh, children or individuals with special needs, it should apply to everybody. Like for example, right. at the university level, you know, what, what does the university recognize as excellence? You know, what do they give awards to for, for success? Mm -hmm. It's basically the same as what's has been recognized for so many decades, right? Yeah. But what about those people who, not, not just kids with special needs, but others who just think differently, you know, mm -hmm. who, who learn differently, who are creative in different ways, uh, they, they create their own success. Uh, so I think how we recognize and how we, um, yeah, how we recognize publicly and privately the, the, the ways people are successful is really important. You're right. Yeah. And what, re what usually comes after success in the normal point of view here is that more success leads to more opportunities. And because of this, and because of this idea of success that's like one size fits all, it becomes unfair for certain people. So is there truly a limitation for opportunities for this community? I believe so. I think that uh, there are limitations. Uh, of course, it's, it's um, again, hit or miss. There are companies that really provide and also schools that provide um, lots of opportunities for um, inclusion and success. And there are others who, who don't, uh, either by um, just not having the, the resources or um, not having the, the will or the desire to do so. So I, I think mm -hmm. that's just common um, uh, almost everywhere that there are going to be these kinds of limitations. Right. And um, coming from me, like there, I see that there are certain people who are scared to interact with those with special needs because of how they can either be offensive, they can be hurtful without any intentions, or at the same time, they, there are others who show discomfort for some reason. They're not comfortable. They don't know the capability. Like They have no idea what the person is capable of doing. And that fear, you'd want to say it's un understandable, but at the same time, it's not because it's stereotypical. It's very stereotypical. And that's something we want to avoid. So how do we educate ourselves better? 
I think the, the way to start is by uh, practicing self-reflection. Mm -hmm. so just asking the person that you're with uh, who's uncomfortable or feeling some kind of fear. What are you afraid of? Ask those kinds of questions. What is it that you fear? What is it that you don't understand? Uh, what is it that's making you uncomfortable? I think if you start there, uh, you will get a lot of uh, answers and then that will build to more uh, conversations. And if, if once you start understanding where the person's coming from, then I think you can uh, start looking at uh, the possible solutions. Um, but yeah. I think, you know, just um, doing the, the bookish um, education, you know, you can always go on Google, right? Or and mm -hmm. find out, but that, that doesn't really address why that person was afraid or uncomfortable. Right. You really have to look at yourself and or as a group, you know, what are your assumptions about people? What are your assumptions about uh, what people say is normal and why? Why do we have to have assumptions about what's, what normal is and what is not? Um, because right. um, it's really unfair to put people in categories based on what we think or what we um, assume about that person. And this applies mm -hmm. to not just individuals with special needs, but it applies to different races, different uh, socioeconomic status. It, it applies to, to any kind of differences that we see. Yeah. And it's funny because um, I'd want to I want to share a story, quick story. Okay. And um, grade five was the first time I encountered a classmate with um, special needs, special disability, because I came from a private Catholic school and we they didn't usually accept a lot of kids like those kids like him, and I was I was shocked. Like I, I want to share that. It really shocked me as a 12-year-old boy who was, wasn't really familiar with how to deal with another kid like this. I wasn't, like, my parents would teach me that there would be certain kids like that. But I would never, it would, it's so different when you actually have a classmate for the first time. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because um, the teacher, our teacher, I just want to share that he, she didn't, say anything then really introduce him they they just brought him in and the first day i just remember that he came he ran out of the room crying and and to cut the long story short that was my first that was my first memory of him and to cut the long story short seven years later we graduated together in high school and i just think of it and there's some things you really you can learn from books, but there are only other things that you can learn only in a personal sense from these people actually. And it's great because it's, I grew up with him. I, I was classmates with him grade five and 11 and 12 towards the end of high school. And there are just certain things that really do amaze you. Yeah. That I remember, I can remember. And there are things, there are things I can remember he taught me that no one else could. I really do. And there, it just shows me also that we can do this research, which is very important. But at the same time, it's so important that we engage ourselves with these kinds of people and make that stand for ourselves on how teach ourselves how to handle it. We'll only learn more about these people with these en en engagements and we'll learn more about ourselves as well. So yeah, I just wanted to share that. And 
I don't know. Like that was my first. He was the only kid with special needs in our batch, if I'm not mistaken, or one or two. And he's the one I was able to grow up with. And I just want to say that he'll he'll always stick with me. Like the thought of him. Uh, Andrew, that's <laughs> the story. You met him in grade five, and then you had you had class with him again, grades eleven and twelve. Uh, yeah. You know, you said that when she came in, he uh, the teacher didn't say much about. Yeah, but I think the most important thing to remember is that all kids want to feel like they belong. Right. All kids right. want to have friends, and they don't want to feel different. Especially at that, those ages, they just want to to be like everyone else. So good for you for um, <laughs> for you know, trying to do your best to engage and to understand. Right. And wow, thank over, you, thank over, you. over seven years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, over seven years and. I, I just think of him a lot. There are times I really do. I see him on Facebook. He's my friend on Facebook. And there are just times where you're just happy. Like, you would nev- I would never have thought, like, from that kid I saw in grade five crying out of the room. And then he really learned, he found a way to adapt himself to the whole, to the whole batch, to the whole community. And I'm really happy for him. Uh, <laughs> He's in college now, by the way. It, would. it was take, interesting to take, hear from him how he, he saw you yeah. when he came in grade five. Yeah, <laughs> but I also do want to share that um, I think it wasn't smooth sailing for him as well because I also wanted to bring him up because that's the only personal experience I have and it wasn't always smooth sailing for him because I can remember him there were times he'd be laughed at he'd get bullied also and um, I just wanted your take on how we how we need to improve that how we can improve that that bullying the bullying issue especially with this community yeah okay i think there there are different ways to do this um i believe that the, the parents and the educators of kids with special needs they also i think they have the responsibility at, at one point or another to teach the individuals with special needs how to advocate for themselves or how to stand up for themselves. And, and that's, a, that's a very important life school for anybody, right? Mm-hmm. I think that applies just to kids with special needs. Um, so part of doing that uh, is actually um, disclosing to the child or to the um, young person with special needs what their diagnosis is. There's not um, a particular timing for that. It really depends on the individual and um, the, the families but I believe it's important for um, those who can, that they, they know how to explain what their difficulties are um, because that empowers them. Right. Because I've, I've always believed that um, it's unfair for uh, an individual with special needs not to know, yet the parents, the teachers, and the classmates know. So I, I, I was thought that um, to empower somebody with special needs, they have to know and they have to be able to express uh, in their own ways what their special needs are or their disabilities are. So they, they can speak about it. They can ask for accommodation mm-hmm. or um, whatever they need in, in a way that's um, fair. Um, the other one is for the same parents and teachers to educate all the kids that, you know, this is how you treat people. Not not just people with, individu- uh, with uh, disabilities, but just people in general, and that's just basic respect and value for differences right. and, and similarities. 
So once you have that, I don't think you have to discuss specific disabilities and how to interact. Right. It's just yeah. this basic um, uh, respect and value for one another. And and going back, you know, meet the media. They they have a, a huge responsibility because people watch. You know, and, and um, they have the their responsibility to to make sure that um, they don't do anything that perpetuates these kinds of stereotypes or, or stigma. Right. So there's a point here, um, Erickson. Can you tell us more about a people-first language? I want to learn more about that. Yeah, uh, people-first language. Um, so what, this, this is the, the difference, right? You can call somebody, oh, that's an autistic child mm-hmm. versus, oh, that is a boy with autism. Okay, mm. do, you, do you see do you hear the difference between the two? Yes, yes. So Andre, what, what do you see as a, what do you hear as a difference between the first one, the autistic child, versus the second yeah. one, which is uh, the boy with autism? What do you see as a difference? I would see the first, the autistic child, more as like a fixed description on that child. So it it's like the him being autistic is what revolves around him initially and the way i see the boy with autism is that that autism is just a part of him i don't know is does that make sense (laughs) that's how i would see that that captures it the first one you're right it fixes and it it defines the person Mm -hmm. and the other one as you said it's just a part of that person and and that person is so much more than than the than the diagnosis yeah that that boy is somebody's son somebody's brother Right, somebody's cousin, somebody's best friend. Okay, yeah, you got it. And and that's that's the huge difference because uh, we 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 are not defined by one characteristic. That's right. Right, and that again, that applies to everybody, not just individuals with special needs. That's right. Yeah. And I also wanted to bring up because, um, I feel like I I asked this way back earlier that there is an there is an improvement or a big difference between how they see these com- this community in the states compared to let's say here because the reality is here in the philippines the number of people that are actually educated about this is minimal compared to what we'd hope for and i just see that they're just if you read face go through facebook the masses commenting these words, these not so nice things. I just, what do you think has to be done? Because yeah, we say media and all of that, but let's say for the masses, how do we educate these masses more? Do you think there's a real need to, let's say, fix the curriculum for let's say public schools and all of that? Just about educating. Well, I, I don't think it's uh, related to the curriculum in, in the schools. Uh, of course, like I said earlier, you know, make sure that the teachers teach the kids how to advocate and to yeah. Um But I, I think it's like, I, I want to go back to what I said earlier, that you, you, the best way to do this is just going one by one, you know, uh, connecting with people and, and showing them that, you know, this is not the, the best way to talk about somebody who's, who's different. Uh, you know, the, there's a world, a wealth of information available on the net. Right? So you can always send you, why don't you read upon this? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
when you hear somebody say something derogatory or um, shows misunderstanding or an assumption, you know, if you feel comfortable, I think ask, it's good to say, hey, well, why did you say that? You know, yeah. I think if you go in, in another, another route, which is to, to already um, put them on the defensive, you're not going to get anywhere with that person. I think just by asking, hey, uh, why, why did you say that? Or what makes you think that that's the, the reality for this person? Then you might have a chance of having a conversation and possibly changing their perspective. Um, but if you already go on that, that um, the, the method of, uh, you know, reprimanding or correcting right away, uh, you might have this barrier go up right away and um, it might make it worse. So I, I think that um, those kinds of conversations where you try to understand and you try right. to change their view um, in a way that they would, um, you know, the chances of having them change their minds or higher, I think that's the better way to go about it. You know, right. yeah. And it's, it's tough because, you know, you, you, you sometimes you, you say, you know, I want to let this go. Other times you want mm-hmm. to really address it. So it's, it's you yeah. have to make a decision whether it's something you want to uh, address or you want to let go for, for, for now or, or temporarily. Yeah. 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 So is it right to say that advocates such as yourself for this for this um almost like a movement like is it a movement like striving for equality for this community well i would say what we're is that the right uh, i i strive for equity meaning uh, equity right. that's what's uh, fair for the person because um what's fair for you and fair for me are different right? mm-hmm. so we don't need equal things okay so what i'm looking for and what we advocate for is equitable access not to education, to employment, uh, to leisure. That's a very important one. Uh, people, everybody deserves to have leisure time and to have friends and opportunities to socialize. And um, equal is not the best because not everybody needs the same thing. Right, right. And to understand what equitable is, you have to look at what, what that person needs. And then how do we make sure that that person has, has access to that? Uh, mm-hmm. So that's my perspective. Um, of course, other advocates would have different perspectives and that, that's okay as long as we're all working for the same uh, individuals. Right. Yeah. So, yep. I think we've gone through all these points, but before we end, is there anything that you'd want to share or any advice or tips for all our listeners? Any points or tips for everybody? Um, I think I've said it several times already today. If you want to, um, to understand and to be helpful and to advocate, uh, first, uh, examine your own beliefs and attitudes about people. Okay, not, not just kids or individuals and specialists, but just your general attitude and beliefs about people. And that, that should guide you. And if, if you, uh, the next thing is um, always look for ways to form relationships or develop relationships one by one. As you mentioned earlier with the grade five classmate, right? You, you've known him for mm-hmm. seven years and you understood more or less um, compared to reading uh, from books Right. That's a very yeah. important thing that um, everybody wants human connection. 
right? Not, not just individuals with special needs, but I would say almost everybody uh, desired that kind of connection. So form those connections. Uh, and then I think that that will serve everybody well. And then lastly, um, think about what's, what's kind. Okay, what, what, is, what does it mean to be a kind person? Um, that that's what everybody needs. Right. Okay. So, yeah, like when, when I think of your tips and advice, it's more of just set a foundation of values within yourself yeah. and how you treat everyone else shouldn't really change. And just as you, as you know, just as you know, like how you're going to treat everyone, you'll, you won't have a problem when you're dealing with the community with special needs as well. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, we um, once again, Erickson, we'd like to thank you so much for sharing us all the different ways we can choose to include and for giving us a little more insight on how to become better allies of the community of those with special needs. Thank you so much for joining me today. And we're so glad to have you on, um, for this podcast. Osbong is so thankful to have you. Thank you, Andre. Thank you, Osbong. I, I enjoyed this, this conversation. Thank you. <laughs> and we'd also like to thank Best Buddies Philippines for helping us educate ourselves on this topic. We're very happy to be partnering up with them for this project. So stay updated with both Best Buddies and Osbong on our social media accounts to get updates on the rest of what we have in store for you all. Stay tuned for our next episode where a few aspiring teachers have a discussion with some established PED teachers. Thank you all again for tuning in. Stay safe and we hope that you join us next time.